0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and supply chain crunches. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 329. So I found a, uh,
1: a question <clears throat> from, uh, the, from Reddit from r slash uh, ECE that was actually posted 11 years ago. I was just kind of browsing around stuff and ran into this one. And I thought it would be fun to just uh, start off with this question, which was posed as, what are some of the pros and cons of becoming an electrical engineer? Which, you know, if that was asked 11 years ago, it might actually be different if it's asked again today but i'm curious uh of your thoughts on that parker what are the, what are some of the pros and cons of becoming an electrical engineer and and before you start what's what what's really funny is like almost all the answers to the, uh, to this question were like it's really hard <laughs> to you know uh find people of uh find people to date basically <laughs> which was like, <laughs> that like almost all the cons were like yeah it's 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 really tough but um
0: but no, um, I'm curious your thoughts. The pros are with an electrical engineering degree, you can prep. There's very little things you cannot do. Um, like one of those things might be like civil engineering. Might be a field that would be a little hard for you to get into if you have an electrical engineering degree. Maybe aerospace. But you can also just do electrical engineering for aerospace. So... I wouldn't be surprised if there's some
1: applications of electrical engineering in civil engineering at the same time. Like, I, in, in other words, like a
0: civil engineering company might need electrical for something. Oh, no, for sure. Like, uh, especially if you're like a power power engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say electrical engineering probably has the most subsets as well out of any electrical or any engineering category. Um. Like I actually I can't think of any because I was a petroleum engineer for the first year and a half of my schooling and like there was just petroleum and geosystem engineering there wasn't like a subset that you did you just did that um, whereas like in logical engineering there was like 20 different paths that you could take that like started to specialize your your skill set I guess so um in that case it's you can pre- you can do anything it's it's such a amazing degree from that standpoint and you and you don't really have to choose that path until like usually 2 years down your career your, your career as a student and so like you can kind of figure out that sure you like electronics but you don't know what about electronics you like right mm. and uh you can figure that out and uh, you can do other things like I don't do a lot of actual design work at my job. I do a lot of manufacturing. Now, it's a lot of looking at other people's designs and making suggestions and that kind of stuff. So you do use your design knowledge, but it's not like I'm not doing board layout as my job, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. <clears throat> I, I, I've been,
0: uh, before
1: I went to college, I was speaking with a friend's father about engineering because I thought that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, and he was mentioning to me, uh, or mirroring basically what you were saying. Uh, he, he said as electrical engineering he's, he he worked with electrical engineers. he himself was a mechanical and he was like the electricals are uh, not necessarily well rounded, but the, he's like they do more variety than like mechanicals at, at the, the place he was working. And he's like, as an electrical engineer, you can you can get involved with a lot of different uh, a lot of different things. So, yeah, I totally agree that that is absolutely a pro of of being an electrical engineer, especially if there's something that you don't like doing. There's there's outs. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) There's outs. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. actually, no, that's true, because I did not like my solid state class and I'm like, semiconductor design isn't really a thing I want to do. Which is great because I don't have to do any of that. Um, same thing with like filtering. Like, even though I actually ended up doing a lot of DSP work, um, actually, uh, you know, doing like Bode plots and stuff. It's like, I don't want that. That's like Steven's favorite thing. And I'm like, that's like my worst thing I ever want to do in my life. It's <laughs> um, funny. And, uh, and thinking about it is if you want a. If you're going to pick engineering, so let's just say you're picking engineering. If you want to pick a degree that um, maybe is like the closest to the leading edge of technology, I think electrical engineering is going to lend itself more to that. Now, every degree, every engineering field does push the boundaries of what their field is. That's the whole point, right? Um, and, but electrical engineering currently, at least, is the one that is spearheading probably the farthest ahead and in regards of technology and implementation of new things
1: yeah and that actually kind of goes along with this other statement i saw on um, a different sub uh, reddit where somebody was mentioning if you get an electrical engineering degree you can uh, or you have opportunities that can lead towards software jobs uh and the reverse is not necessarily true if if you're purely a software person it's it's a lot harder to break into say hardware engineering or hardware design um, No, i would design. agree because i i write a lot of software <laughs> right right and we've, and we've actually talk, we've talked to people on this podcast and and even some of our friends who are like hey i want to get into hardware stuff but it's it's difficult uh even though they've been you know coders their entire life
0: mm-hmm. but again though it's, it's something we talked about was like the first time we ever wrote some software that like hit an API endpoint was like magical, right? It's oh, like it's that. amazing. Like, it's like that. Uh, it's like a whole new world opened up for you in terms of like your toolbox. Right. Um, it's the same thing with like, if a software person is going to do hardware though, it's like the moment they make that led blink they're like, that's their tool chest opening up and like, you know, becoming one ignorance is bliss
1: though at the same time like (laughs) like as soon as you know that now you start thinking of like oh on this project if i if i do this special thing uh that now i know that knowledge i have that knowledge i can now design this new extra thing to it and and it explodes and gets really large uh because now oh you're talking about like feature creep yeah because now your skill set is is larger it probably shouldn't be because all you've done is hit an api endpoint (laughs) But, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm never going to say no to, uh, learning more and and growing for sure. Mm -hmm. So what's a con of being an electrical engineer besides Um. uh, having trouble dating? (laughs) Oh man. What's a con? Oh, you know, I actually, I got, I got a quick, quick thing on that. Yeah. Uh, being an electrical engineer actually helped me with, with my wife because, uh, so I I met my wife online actually, and uh, the first time I went to visit her, I actually went to uh, she was living with her parents at the time. I went to um, her 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 folks' place to pick her up. You fixed you fix her up. mom's computer? No, I walk I I walked in and she needed to go do something. So she basically I like I say hello and then she dumps me off in the living room with her parents. But it worked out because her dad was a lawyer at Texas Instruments. So I got to like nerd out on electronics ah. for a while and he loved that. He, like that was way to my advantage. So
0: he was just like,
1: marry my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I, I, this is dead serious. This is true. After that first weekend that I met them and her, he was like, yeah, if you want to marry this guy, that's cool. Like, he, he had met me for like a, a grand total of like an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> um, a con is definitely uh, everyone. Once someone knows that, like, you can fix computers and that's not what you do, because um, for some reason that's something that electrical engineers can just fiddle around with computers and make them not be broken again. Um, everyone wants to fix your computer or get your. Everyone wants their computer to be fixed by you, I should say. Mm. Uh, another one in chat was uh, from, uh, was uh, explaining that you're not an electrician as well because you're an electrical engineer, not an electrician. Generally, you end up doing that own work yourself as well. So, like, I do all my own electrical work around the house. Um, yeah,
1: actually. <clears throat> I think. That- I th-
0: I th- I, go go for it.
1: Well, well, what I was about to say is the. Uh- Uh, I think people just assume if you're an electrical engineer, then when anything electronic is happening, then you'll know something about it that you'll like, like the unfortunate thing is it's true. Well, it's, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. But like, that doesn't mean you have an intimate knowledge of it. Like you could guess on a lot of things, right? Uh, at the same time, like what we were saying, one of the pros was like, uh, you being an electrical engineer. Like you, you have a lot of like you're, you're, Well, not well-rounded, but we were saying like you you can be into a lot of different things and you can experience a lot of different things. That also comes as an expectation. Uh, Mm. So that, that can be a con at the same time where it's just like you get thrown in things where it's like, not electrical, you know nothing about it, but just because you have that title EE, they're like, well, we'll just throw this other thing that has nothing to do with anything you've ever known at you.
0: Yeah, I guess that could be a con. Um... It's not a getting one of... a deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, not getting a lot of sleep. That seems to be a very common theme among electrical engineers.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: I, think... I don't know why that is. <laughs> Almost every EE I know is like, "What's one thing you wish you could get more of? Sleep." <laughs> this this is. I'm probably saying this out of
1: out of ignorance, but. Um what, one of the things that I'm I'm a little bit jealous about when it comes to like say mechanical engineers and things in no way am I saying that anything mechanical engineers design is more simple than anything electrical engineers design but I feel like the grand total part count is a lot smaller in mechanical systems in a lot of mechanical systems like a a mechanical engineer can work on the design of a particular item like a singular or maybe of a group of smaller items whereas electrical engineers have these hardware designs that have hundreds if not thousands of parts that all have to be right and and juggling all of that can be a little bit daunting so i don't know i might say that's the con but that applies to hardware guys i guess yeah, I mean, we, we have software that does all the uh, thinking for us. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and uh, DJ in chat has a really good point. Um, there are probably 20 times as many software jobs as there are hardware jobs. And in his experience, they pay better too, the software jobs. Which oh, is very absolutely. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I yeah. can. I, I, I Software jobs, in my experience, pay one and a half to two X, what? hardware engineers
0: uh, Mm -hmm. get. And I don't know why that is because there's definitely more software developers and there's definitely more software jobs available. Um, I
1: think it's supply and demand. It's just, you know, that's what the market will pay them. And hardware guys will work for the salary
0: that, you know, they are. I think that's part of it. Um, It was something actually I was talking with Misha, the CEO of Macrofab about. And you always hear about like rock star software developers. But never like rockstar hardware developers. And why is that? I guess, I guess like the WAS might be a rockstar hardware developer, right? Sure. Yeah. No, not totally. But, it's just, but like, you, there's, but, not, but, yeah, there's not a lot of them. Yeah. Not a lot of them. And why is that? And I think it basically actually comes, part of it I think comes down to is scalability. Um, like, why is a software engineer, well, a software engineer, you, you're thinking supply and demand, but also that software developer might actually have a better return on their job than a hardware dude. Like a software engineer just says the AWS go two times as big and now that you can handle two times as many customers. Whereas a hardware design, that's not really how it works. You can't just say, I want 2X now. uh, No, that's not how it works. No. (laughs) Whenever yeah whenever a hardware guy needs 2x that's
1: going to be many you're looking
0: at a long design cycle there. Yeah. So it's it's a I think it's that is it is sure supply and demand. Good software developers are in great demand. But same thing with hardware developers. So a good hardware developer is also in high demand. But so why is the hardware developer not making as much? And I would say it's probably due to the scalability problem is you know a software developer is going to have much more return on investment, so to speak. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but that software developer won't have a computer if there wasn't a hardware engineer there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. They, they, I I would, I would say the pros well outweigh the cons for. Uh, becoming an electrical engineer it's a it's
0: a good path if you're looking to uh, pick one mm-hmm. i would say you are not going to have the hollywood college experience though if you go electrical engineering though no no big no yeah not partying all the time you'd be partying in the lab writing down notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my so my birthday's
1: in February, and uh, I remember I turned 21, and I had a large mathematics exam the the day after my birthday. So I went out on my 21st birthday, and I bought some beer, and I went home and studied for my <laughs> math exam, and like that, I think is a is a pretty good cross section of how like how it works, yeah, how it works, yeah. So, and I'm glad I studied because that one was hard. All yeah, right, man. so yeah, no let's uh, let's let's move on to the next topic. Uh, you got some some interesting uh, updates on Pinotar, right?
0: Yeah, so we are well in the. Uh, so I've done a couple like small, medium runs of PINOTAR, um just like working out uh, design issues and that kind of stuff. Um, so we produced probably around 750, 800 of them so far, and we're well actually into the big production of them now. Like we have a big order going and we're about halfway through that now. Everything's actually going good. Looking for the next like six to eight months now. And the OEMs that I'm supplying for the Pentar, which is a pinball control board for people who don't know, uh, starting to ramp up in volume too. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into MacFab platform. I'm going to type in the big number into the quantity. Oh, of course, supply chain problems, right? Yep. Um, and so I've got a couple months to work on some design. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start working on some design changes because we got some problems with the bomb that basically we don't have part alternates from some parts. Like for MOSFETs, we can get different MOSFETs that would work. Um, capacitors, connectors. Yeah. You can always find different parts that will be close enough to work. Um, but we got, we got a couple parts on the board that are like locked in that you, we can't get alts for. And I'm not even talking like microcontrollers. Like I bought like 6,000 microcontrollers. So I'm like, I'm good there. Like, I don't have to worry about that. But the, the big one right now is the relay. So we use a relay on our board to basically as a safety device to cut off the high voltage dc power um, to prevent basically the play field from being live um, when you don't want it to be live um, and uh so we use a big big relay for it and we actually have spec to relay to be able to um to disconnect the system when it's at a dead short. So when the power supply is at a dead short through that relay, it can still break the connection, which is, you know, you're talking 50 volts at, you know, 10 amps, which is <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. And so you need to be able, it's a lot of power to break and you need to make sure your the relay is strong enough to, to break it. Uh, and so you uh, most people would use like a contactor, which is just a bigger relay, right? Um, to, to handle this power, but we don't have the board space for a contactor. Um, so I did find a relay that handled it. There's an Omron big part relay for it. Um, but they're the only manufacturer in the world that builds this style of relay. And there's only one part Omron sells that Matt that f- works. So there's not like a so single source. That, well, yeah, basically yeah, single source. It is basically single source. Yeah, there's only one manufacturer and one part number. There's not right. like because sometimes with like parts you get like there'll be different packaging, so you can get like tube and reel or like loose or whatever packaging, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you might get different footprints, you know, like a T-SOT for an SOIC, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, this is a relay. You, it there's just the relay. Pretty standard, yeah. And there's no other like style of packaging because some relays you can get like flux sealed and like vented, and there's a bunch of other ways so you can like mix and match. So because the, the guts are still the same, right? Mm-hmm. But not not so much for this part. And uh, wouldn't be a concern except, um, Omron says this October is when. The relays come back in stock, and, and you're, are you dry right now? You have none of them. Oh no! For the builds I'm doing now, we have all the parts. Oh, so okay. don't have to worry about it. I'm looking at like the next big order I got to put in, right? And um, so the relay is like out of the question because we can't wait to October. Mm. Okay, for this next order, um, and so I was like, what can we replace this relay with? Um, and the relay does have some downsides to it. One, it's... When we started, it was an $11 relay, and now it's like an $18 relay. Ugh. And so, yeah, it's it's $7 up on the bomb. Um, it does take a lot of board space. And the... Uh, and it actually doesn't completely satisfy our uh, design requirement. Because the design requirement for the relay was... Because we have current sensors on the board, we wanted to be able to detect a dead short, and then flip the relay off, and then save basically the MOSFET that the dead short went through, right? Mm-hmm. And the um, the problem is it doesn't say it's not the relay is not fast enough to save the MOSFET. Uh, so the, the MOSFET just roasts. Yeah, the MOSFET in the fifty milliseconds or whatever just burns up and the, the MOSFETs are rated for it too. It, uh, or rated for the continuous. They're just not rated for the instantaneous of like that ginormous power supply and uh, and it's big capacitor bank dumping through it, you know, at once. Mm -hmm. And sure we can spec MOSFETs that can handle that instantaneous and stuff, but the cost of those outweigh basically designing a protection system. Mm -hmm. Um, so we don't, we don't have a, a, Like, man, it's like the difference between like $6 a MOSFET, MOSFET versus like a dollar, (laughs) right? So, um, so for the production system, it, it basically is just not fast enough. So I'm like, okay, how can we actually hit that design requirement and get away from a single source and then also, um, make it cheaper, right? Lower the bomb cost. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I've started looking at solid state relays. Um, the only way to make the solid st- uh, that solid state relay to hit all those things is to have like an industrial one that's like off the board. And I don't want to do that. Like all the board mount ones are just weight. Like it's like $70 for the part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, it, no, that's not going to work. And, and um, so it's 50 volts. What kind of current
1: would be flowing through this? 10 amps. Okay. Okay, ten amps yeah. like yeah. and ten amps continuous. Uh can be. Usually it's not though. Usually okay. it's
0: like a few it three, three, Spikes up to ten. Yeah, spikes up to ten. Okay. Um so yeah, there's nothing really in the solid state relay wor- world that would work for it. Um and so I'm like, okay, what
1: about just a really
0: big MOSFET?
1: Yeah, right? just do just do like a pass transistor PFET, right?
0: Yeah. And um, so I was looking at MOSFET drivers uh, like the IRS 25752, which allows you to use the N-channel MOSFET as a high-side driver. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's also the thing is this has to be a high-side cutoff mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. want to be able to cut 50 volts off off the board. Um, I mean, you're cutting this to the whole playfield, right? Yeah, the whole playfield killing all the 50-volt line. And so um, I haven't really looked at... at um, um, PFETs yet. Um, I basically just started looking at like maybe a big N-channel MOSFET with a a big MOSFET driver. Because um, the great thing is we're not even PW. it; it's a on or off. Right, right,
1: right. You see, the first thing that comes to mind is a load switch, um, which adds some complexity, right? But it handles everything the hardest part is getting one that does 50 volts 10 amps Mm -hmm. Um, but perhaps you can get a load switch controller that handles all of it Um, it might even have the current sensing in it and having one like monolithic
0: package would be pretty cool right that just does what you want well our microcontroller on our board does our current sensing um so it doesn't we don't really need that solution how are you doing that? Are you just measuring it through like an A to D or are you doing like a comparator circuit? It's a right now. It's actually, what we're going to talk about next with the supply chain problems is we're using a current sensor, um, okay. kind of like an allegro. We're using like a TI part that right now that's got, um, it's an SOIC part that um, current goes or your, your current path goes into the chip and then out the chip. And then it's, I think like a hall effect sensor or something like that inside of it. Um, And then it just outputs an uh, analog signal that we just read off with the microcontroller. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the relay to MOSFET is the next big thing or PFET or whatever ends up working. Um, That's going to be the next big hurdle in the supply chain. Because the great thing is I was looking at MOSFETs that would fit this spec and there's like a hundred out there and they're all like the same package, right? The, you know, big old through hole package. And I'm like, good, perfect. That gets rid of that. Now we do kind of trade, you know, if we, we need a MOSFET driver, most of them aren't actually compatible with each other. There's a lot of variations in them. Now this IRS part, there seems to be a plenty on the market though. It's not like these are shortened supply. So I'm not too worried. There's like 45,000 or something like that part on this on the market right now. So not too not too worried about it. Yeah, much better I'm, than what we have now. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, uh, one of the nice things about uh, using a
1: relay is you get a full isolation, right? When that full relay trips, yeah. there's nothing. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You got me, I got you. For whatever reason, these just turned off. They mm. they have juice, and I've been charging them this entire time. Whatever, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, so relays have full isolation. Once that thing breaks, there's nothing there. There's no leakage. There's nothing. Uh, so there's there's some value with that. But pinballs are not like a safety uh, device where you have to guarantee there's no leakage or anything like that. Uh, so I think I think a pass transistor like a like a, a pfet pass transistor can get you by especially because you just want it to be on or entirely off so Correct. and you're not and you're not jumping between those states so no it's when it's off it's not dissipating any energy and when you have it fully on it's just whatever your rds on through the through the yeah, mosfet through is the- so it's so it's not burning off a bunch of heat yeah it, so mm-hmm. in other words you're just using it as a giant switch i think that's going to be your your easiest route to to get by in fact i found a i haven't really even looked through this much but um i I posted found me a part number already no i found you uh, actually an article that's just basically uh a a primer on high side FET load switches uh that i think is probably a decent read on this kind of thing because you i mean it should be fairly easy to control you may have to you know play around with um uh like the variation between fets to get what you want but um, oh yeah, this is similar to what I was gonna set up. Yeah, yeah, I think that something like this would be a, would be a good uh, a good read on this. Mm-hmm. So, um, and pFETs are really easy to work with as a high side
0: um, pass element. Oh, like a p-channel? Uh mm-hmm. huh. I say I was gonna use an n-channel just because
1: they're way more available. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you can get by with either one for sure.
0: Mm. You Just you need a kind of a weird. Well, you don't need a weird one, but uh, you need a high side driver that's designed to handle an end channel. Right. So, um,
1: so yeah, because that- you can get one of those big beefy like T O two forty seven uh, style. Um, you could you could even do like bend the legs over and bolt it to your board if you really wanted mm-hmm. it to be robust and, you know, be there forever and instead of just, like, standing up, flapping in the breeze. Although that would work as well, too. Like, you, you, I mean, pinball machines are not in, like, a continuous like, terrible vibration environment, so... But still, <laughs> it might it might be better to just bolt it down to your board um, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you wanted to go with one of those through-hole guns. Well, and
0: a little board. bit of heat sinking won't ha- uh, wouldn't uh, hurt it either. Yeah. Yeah. Also,
1: what's nice about those packages is um, uh, you have isolated the the hole in them mm-hmm. is isolated. So you can uh, you can just bolt right to it and not have to worry about shorting anything out.
0: Mm hmm. And then the the next big thing, the, the basic, the, the next supply chain bridged across is the current sensors themselves. Um, at first, we were using Allegro current sensors that are really popular. Um, I think what happened was, like, one of Allegro's factories, like, burnt down. Was that something that happened? Hmm. I think it was, like, a year and a half ago or something like that that happened. Because um, Allegro, I might I might not be correct here, but I think Allegro, a lot of their stuff is fabulous, meaning they contract it out.
1: No, which means they go to the end of the line.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that is correct, though. But um, it seems to be, like, almost impossible to buy Allegro parts now. Um, and so... For this year, we switched to TI um, current sensors, and that was great. Like TI had lots of them; Um, they still have lots of them on the market. The problem is they've gone from two dollars to seven dollars. Of course, because I think I think they're realizing or realized TI was the only people that carried these kind of parts on the market right now because everyone else was sold out. Um, So we're going to uh, remove the current sensors, and we're going to go to a more disc a discrete uh setup i guess we're going to have a you know a little interpretation differential op amp and then just use a current shunt and use a little pat you know a little of a little bit of capacitance a little bit of little resistors and be nice good and go
1: so you're actually trying to continuously measure the active current uh you're not just Mm -hmm. using it as like a trip right correct yeah we're measuring the active current What's the, uh, I'm, I'm curious, what's the What's the purpose of that? Are you reporting that back to the computer?
0: Yeah, the, no, uh, the microcontroller itself is controlling that. It's got some predetermined limits of like what is it would consider a safe environment and what's an unsafe environment. And so if it, basically talking back to the computer to be like, hey, there's a problem. And then the computer goes, oh shit, turn it off. That's way <laughs> too slow, right? <laughs> I, I, I just imagine a variable in there called, oh, shit, and it goes from zero
1: to one. and
0: uh, It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me that's what it's called.
1: Because <laughs> um, I'm thinking if, if you're just looking at trip points, it might even be easier to not even look at a differential op-amp. Like, do you care about all the values? If not, just do comparators, you know? Well, it could it could be different depending on the machine. Oh, okay. Okay, so you want to be able to program it and set it
0: yeah. that. Okay. that. Okay, then that's totally hmm. reasonable. And we, we do like to have maybe like a way to, it could test which coil it is to, um, mm. which knowing the, uh, um, the uh, uh, actual current would be useful. Right.
1: Yeah, so you're not looking, you're, you're looking at just current for all kinds of situations, not just faults. Mm-hmm.
0: and that's yeah. just on the solenoid side we also have a current sensor that's on like the servo motors and that's really useful because we can detect like hard stalls and stuff mm, so, like if, they, yeah. if a servo motor stalls out instead of just because the servo motor is just going to keep trying to make its its goal um because it doesn't know it's stalled out right right and so if we know it's stalled out we can go okay something's hung up like a you know pinball is in the way, right? Like, or stuck in the gate. And so we actually can detect that stall um, and uh, either turn off the servo or do something else uh, with the servo, like back it off or something. Um, One thing I wanted to do with that is um, I haven't seen an OEM do it yet, but you could use that to like detect um, when uh, you can use it to detect like if a ball hits a servo. Like something that gets actuated by a servo, you could detect that current spike, as well. Mm, you do a lot of cool stuff with that sensor, but uh, right now let's just use the basically make sure servos don't burn up.
1: Yeah, as long as you're reading fast enough, right? I don't know what yeah. your sample rate is. I mean, it's you probably enough. don't. You probably don't need to read ridiculously fast, but if you are trying to catch fault things, you've mm-hmm. got to read faster than you know something burning.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's within. I think it's the same as the kernel speed. So it's fast enough.
1: Oh, that, yeah, that's that's really fast.
0: Yeah. So, the, I, This is a great example of
1: why I think it's valuable to be able to design discrete-level things mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, finding some, like, oh, this is an off-the-shelf solution that does everything I need it to do. Like, as soon as you design that in and it goes away, like, what do you have? You've got nothing, right? Nothing. So being able to pivot and do this uh, allows for... Um, allows for you to be more nimble with making changes.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's, it's interesting. We're increasing your bomb count actually makes you more supply chain uh, resilient. Resilient. Yeah, yeah, resilient.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the thing about it is, you know, uh, using a moss as a as a pass element, uh, you have so many options out there that, you know, if one goes out like there's probably a line of them that Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like
0: I found a 100 end N-channel MOSFETs that were all in stock over the quantity I needed. That all fit the specs. That was I'm like hundred volts, you know, twenty amp, et cetera, et cetera, and like low RS on. Yep. And yeah, they all. I'm like yeah, there's like a hundred or so different parts that are in. Those are the ones that are just in stock. Um, If you check that box off, there's like a thousand something. though.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really cool. And and as you're doing that, you can make a list of all your acceptable substitutes and hand it to your CM and they will love you. Yeah, they will love you because they, they will just buy those. Yeah, yeah. They don't even have to ask you. They just look at your sheet and, what's the next one down the line? Yeah, next down the line.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so, so I'm going to do... When I get the design for the re, the relay one's the one I'm going to do first. Um, I'm actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a board that has the relay or not has really has the mosfet and has like the driver or however i do it my solution will be on this board and i'm actually going to make it the same size as the mosfet oh, i got them mixed up same size as the relay that has the pins and so that i can actually just desolder the relay off the board and put this solution on the board to test it so it's like okay it gets a 12 volt signal for enable basically um, and then the 50 volt lines and input output should be good should work fine <laughs> but we actually make it like a sub module so i can like build a couple of them and actually put them into the real world to actually test them to make sure they perform how we you know expect them to perform because sometimes weird stuff happens And then i'm going to do the same thing with the current sensor i'm going to make like a a little board that i can um i'm going to use like those uh because it's an soic package and you can get like j lead headers that are that pitch which is what point what what's that pitch one point something anyways i can't remember on top of my head that's rc package pitch but you can get those so I'm going to solder those down onto the board and they put my board on top and then solder it down. And so that basically like make it super easy to convert like maybe 10 boards over to this new stuff just to yeah, see how testing. well it works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of having like a bunch of wire mods, right. Then like building these structures that are, uh, you know, prone to vibration and stuff. And then you have to dump hot glue on it to protect it.
1: <laughs> you have to goop your boards. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool so um yeah I guess you gotta you gotta
0: get this done for the next run right so yeah this I is think a little the bit next, hot. I, I have like two months I think to get this done I'm gonna probably try to do it by the end of this month though
1: yeah yeah get ahead of the game At least
0: get the parts ordered and uh, boards ordered to do the solution because then you know do the change see how well they work and then do a spin of the board with those changes on it and then you have to make that first. Make sure that prototype's well, and you didn't bark the board, right? Then, then production, and then go back to production. So yeah, it is. It is a
1: pretty fast turn here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it will be. Cool. It's not like it's unsurmountable, though. It's it. They're not the biggest changes, and it's not like doing anything exotic. I guess on the board, the no, board no. itself's not exotic to begin with, though. So it's not like doing anything crazy.
1: No, no, and and you're going from an integrated solution to a more global, um, like, um, discrete solution. So, it actually, I think it it should be a little bit easier. Hmm. Yeah. At least easier to debug if something's wrong
0: too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you don't have to pay eighteen dollars for um, relays. Relay. So, so you have a lot of wiggle room in terms of like if if you if you're you needed cost. to be a little bit. Uh, uh, if you needed to spend a little bit more on MOSFETs or whatever circuit you're designing, you'll probably still
0: come in under the $18. Yeah. I was like, when I was looking at all those MOSFETs, I'm like, oh, the most expensive one is only $6 in singles. Right. And I'm like, right. oh, that's so much cheaper already. <laughs> yep.
1: I Also, I've never been a, a big fan. I mean, I know a lot of relays are rated for this. Contactors are better. But um, always on relays where you're constantly driving power through the coil like eventually that's gonna go eventually that's gonna give uh so i you know i i, I try to avoid that if i'm ever designing in relays like mm-hmm. their their normally con- closed state is somewhat more of their, their uh nominal state if if i can get away with that and i think with a mosfet you can get longer life out of it although with these old relays were they socketed were they the kind that you could replace oh no. so they were soldered right to the
0: board yeah, soldered into the board. Okay, so
1: if, yeah, if a relay pukes, then the whole board needs to be replaced. That
0: relay, I think, is going to outlast the board, though. <laughs> like it's, it's so that relay is so overbuilt because of its rate. It's like it's like rated to three hundred volts DC. The big thing with the DC, with with relay switching DC. It's not the, well, it is the voltage, but the main thing is look at the current when it's actually rated for, because you'll see like, it's like stamped for like forty volt AC and then like maybe it has an insane DC, but then you look at the current rating for that DC voltage and it's like a, like an amp, maybe, but it's like, so when you're trying to do high voltage DC switching and amperage is when like you're, you don't get a lot of options. Hmm. So. <clears throat> I wish there was a better solution. Well, but I think I think, you're, I think you're going. I think to the this is. I think this is the better solution. I think it's superior to what you had before because it's one. It's going to switch in nanoseconds instead of milliseconds too. So we might be able to actually hit that other design requirement, which is if someone drops a screwdriver on the playfield while it's on, which by the way happens because people people never look at the sticker that says "turn off before maintenance," um, and they always will like hit uh, a coil lead with a has a 50-volt line to ground and or across the lead. Um, if uh, we could save the board in that event, basically prevent, prevent the MOSFET from from frying, we'll be good. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, an end channel is going to be faster than a P for the most part. But mm-hmm. the problem is you have the your entire control loop. So you have to the current has to go up. You have to read it, the micro has to think about it, then the micro has to send stuff. So you have some delay
0: there. There's some delay. Um we did at one point we, we when we were using the Allegro chip, you can actually have like an overload protection. Mm. And we actually had that enabled and that still wasn't fast enough for the relay. The relay is still the slowest part. So even like an instantaneous, like analog, like an op amp, basically trigger, um, basically would trigger an AND gate, and the AND gate would go to zero on the output, and then the relay would turn off. But it's the relay just still takes too long. There's still too much energy basically in that relay. Yeah, so. I mean it has to move physically, move something. physically has to move. Yeah, I mean technically the electrons are physically moving in a MOSFET.
1: You know the nice thing also with your um, uh, microcontroller situation, you can um you can have it, because the microcontroller remains energized, obviously, because it's mm-hmm. fed from upstream. Um, so you can um, you can leave it in that trip state, so it doesn't just you know flip out and go nuts. Uh, yeah, trying to like in- enter and exit a uh, a. Uh, trip state so mm-hmm. uh but uh actually how do you handle that do you have it where like if it trips this relay it it hol- or trips the 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 circuit it, it removes the short does it just wait until you re-energize the board to you have to, to reboot it yeah okay cool yeah. it's
0: kind of a safety thing
1: does it give um, any kind of indicator to the uh yeah it,
0: it lets the there's a command to that the computer can ask it yeah. See what the state is. Yeah.
1: Oh, there's not like an LED or something that says like, oh, there was a fault situation. Nah. I they, mean, most it, time you
0: won't. Even, there's a big display in the pinball
1: machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that display's not run off anything downstream from there, right? I mean, I guess why would a display be run on 50 volts?
0: <laughs> no, it's not. It's not run on 50 volts. Yeah. The only
1: thing that runs on 50 volts are the solenoids. So. Got it. And do you have current limiting on all the other stuff as well, like the LED drivers and things?
0: Oh, yeah, there's fuses. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Most of that's run. There's some glass fuses, and then there's a lot of PTC resettable fuses. Like everything that's like, basically, if I was like under three amps, I went with PTC fuses. Yeah. Um, and honestly, actually, PTC fuses haven't gone up in price, which is unusual.
1: I would you know, have thought w- that. I was specking them on a project the other day and noticed that. I was like, these things are cheap. These things are They're really cheap. Yeah. Especially
0: when you compare it to like a glass fuse and, and like a nice holder and stuff. I'm actually going to reduce a lot of the glass fuses um, on the next board too. And uh, probably go to more resettable PTC fuses. Because I think that's actually going to end up being... If I actually run the numbers, that might be cheaper. Because the with the with the glass fuse... You have, I mean, they have service mount ones. Those don't hold up under a pinball machine because people like just like fumbling in the dark trying to grab the fuse and just rip them off. Just rip
1: it right off the board, yeah. Yeah,
0: so you have to have a through hole. So you have to pay for through hole pricing to solder them on. And then then the fuse. And the fuse itself. And so it ends up not being as cheap as you think it might be. And it's like, well, the PTC is like, a real part and it's like service mount, and you never have to replace it. Let's just use that. That sounds well, like a I good mean, idea. The,
1: the, the difference comes in when uh, you're talking about like safety regulations. Cause a lot of, a lot of regulations require that the uh, the circuit be completely disconnected and a fuse will do that in a fault situation. Whereas mm. a PTC, like we were talking about earlier, you know, it just, it just changes resistance. It's oh, just, no. but, but yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It
0: goes high Z.
1: Right, 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 right. But in yeah. your situation, I, it's, it's acceptable. It's totally fine. But,
0: yeah. You know. Well, no, there's still going to be glass. So like the 50 volt is still going to have a glass fuse. Right. For sure. And then on the power that come in on the what I'm called the low voltage side, which is the 12 volt and 5 volt that gets mm-hmm. from, the, from the power supply. Though that 12 volt and 5 volt are still going to have a glass fuse. Mm-hmm. But then it's basically the auxiliary stuff that come off that split off of those. Have PTs. So like the RGB lighting has its own fuse system, the GI lighting, the switches, the servos, all that stuff have their own fuse system right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to switch those all to PTC. Yeah. So like basically if there's a fault that causes you know more than what the power supply can handle, that's when the glass fuse goes.
1: Right. And that's that's the
0: big safety element. Yeah, yes, of course. So maybe in maybe next week. Maybe. We'll have to see. I have some I have a friend coming over to work on a project this weekend. So I might not be able to get to the MOSFET relay. Maybe I'll get to it this week though. Um, have kind of like a solution and see if people think it's a good idea. <laughs> but yeah, I think in a, a big old chonky end channel with a big driver and that's about it, right? That's what else do you need? <laughs> yeah, some capacitors, some uh, some bypass caps.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 you're insistent on using it like an, a, a MOSFET driver with it with an end channel, like to, to you got, no, you got to worry have to about the, You got to you got to worry about the the gate threshold, you know, voltage and things. You don't want to be dropping. 50 volts down because you know a big power mosfet have a it might have a threshold voltage of four or five volts somewhere in that range i mean like big big guys can be like three to six somewhere in that range Mm -hmm. whereas like with a pfet if you use the pfet and you dragged it in and you pulled the gate low you you could get away with with a lot less voltage drop through Mm -hmm. it so that might be a better situation some of those gate drivers will handle boosting your voltage to get that's actually over. what that irs one i think does yeah 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 so i mean there's there's solutions either way like i and i think your situation is easy enough that i, I might look more at a P-FET than a than an n because okay. you don't need to go blindingly fast on yours like yours is not that's like, true so i'd like it to be faster than the, than the relay though <laughs> i think you you'll get that you'll you'll absolutely yeah. get that. And 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 if you're just trying to control a p-fet by just pulling its its gate to ground that that's, yeah, with a B, that's uh, really like a easy with a yeah uh, or just use another small signal fet um that just you know it's floating Actually there is already
0: a, there is already a bjt on that board. The problem is it it's 12 volt sourced. That would have to be connected to a 50 volt source to make it work. Right. Yeah, so you probably yeah. need something else. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, yeah, you, you look
1: at it slightly different, but, but I honestly, I think that's a, that's an easier solution. Although the integrated thing is nice. Y- you're, you're just building something in that might also go out of stock. So yes, like true. looking more towards discrete, uh, yeah, even more
0: discrete. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just a micro controlling, a a, a a FET that pulls your big monster pass FET to ground is probably your, uh, the easiest solution of it all. Just, you know as always, make sure that uh, there's resistance a small resistance at the gate to prevent oscillations mm-hmm. so it doesn't just overheat and go nuts on you. Yeah, about but what 100 ohms ish, 100 to 1k is what I always throw in there, somewhere in that
0: range. Yeah. I always throw about 100.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So. so I guess that's we'll save yours for next week. Sure, yeah, that works. Yeah, so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, Yes You Are, listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at macfab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at macfab.com slash Slack. And we live stream every Tuesday at six o'clock Central Time on twitch.tv slash macrofab.